This is a Dragon Blazer production. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Unsolved Comedies. How are y'all doing? Hope you're doing good. <laughs> well, here we are, yet again, with me, your host, Kizaya, and my co-host, Stefan. And we've got an extra special guest, guys. Good, good guest. Yeah, the best, actually. <laughs> best, actually. It, it is I... Craig Atkins of the Pro Wrestling Apologist podcast. And when Kazaya came to me about a murder podcast, it was like, in the world of professional wrestling, I know a lot about murder and mystery. <laughs> like in 1993, the murder mystery of professional wrestler Dino Bravo, who was found dead, shot 17 times, and nobody has figured out who killed him yet. Wait, that's true? It's true. Holy crap. It is, Steven. <laughs> oh, I've been seeing him on the uh, other podcast I did. <laughs> the Ray oh, Blaze show. Yeah. He's well, you will not. You, you, will, um, you will find that somewhere around the year 1993, you will see a lot less of him. As he was murdered Bravo. by being shot Johnny Bravo. times. That's so fucked up because now you've been making fun of a dead guy. Well, I mean. Yeah. A long time. <laughs> well. If you make fun of any professional wrestlers, a 50-50 chance you're making fun of a dead guy. Those guys don't last very long. (laughs) Those guys don't last. I just didn't know he was a dead guy that's been shot 17 times to die. (laughs) Yeah. Um, One more thing. We do have another person here. I don't know if he's going to speak. He might. Don't know. He's over there. Talking about Gizmo the cat? No. I was talking about about my boyfriend. He speaks a lot. I was talking about the yeah, he's over there. Davey. He might chime in. He might not. Don't know yet. We'll see. Let's get started and talk about the court case surrounding eight-year-old boys' murder. Three of them, to be specific. You really know how to insert sad trombone sound here. <laughs> Please help me, guys. I'm stuck with them all the time. <laughs> Um, so there's two trials that happen. And the reason is basically because I actually did some research and found out exactly what Jesse Miss Kelly's IQ was at the time of 
all of this happening. And his IQ was 72. So when I said he potentially was special needs, I wasn't far off because he was like borderline, like he was right on the level of like mental retardation. I'm not using that as a slur. That's literally like, yeah, he was on the borderline of that. He was very uneducated. Horribly so. Um, Also, we apologize if you hear some kind of like frying sound in the background. My boyfriend's cooking dinner, so, you know, you might hear some noise. Of all people to apologize, it'd be me because I'm the one zooming in that doesn't get to enjoy it. (laughs) This guy asked me if my boyfriend puts pickle juice in his fried chicken, and I was disgusted. And then everybody in the South. You think you're disgusted. I'm more disgusted (laughs) that there's no pickle juice in that chicken. I don't like pickles. Like, oddly, like, I like to eat pickles by themselves, but I don't like them on my sandwiches. You know what I'm saying? If you had fried chicken with pickle juice in it, I think I'd, it doesn't have some overwhelming pickle. Okay, this is a. This is off topic. Off topic. <laughs> off topic. <laughs> Welcome to the Southern Fried Chicken Podcast. <laughs> fried chicken. Hope you- I'm your host, Kentucky Fried Craig. <laughs> Kentucky Kentucky Fried Craig. Can I call you that from now on for the rest of forever? <laughs> the Colonel Craig Atkins. <laughs> okay, I swear to God we're done. Okay. This, is, this is as bad as the KK cave mentioned this from last a, episode. This is an episode about the mystery of who put the pickle juice in, in the chicken. <laughs> Okay, so (laughs) the first thing we're going to do is we're going to cover Jesse Miss Kelly's confession because this guy who basically, from what I've read, had the mental capacity of a six or seven year old. Yeah, he was very, he's very much like, uh, what's his name from uh, Making a Murderer that just wanted, just wanted to know when he could get out to watch WrestleMania. Exactly. Literally, like in this case, like I'm going to play a clip in a little bit. Where um, this guy literally talks about how Jesse was coerced in his confession, and yeah. it's a um, his name is Doctor Oshi, and we'll get more into him in a little bit. But I'm going to play that clip, and you guys will have a little more information. Let's talk about the um, confession first. So Jesse Miss Kelly is taken into custody on June 3rd. He's picked up at this chick's house. Um, this chick that um, also made up a complete story about how Damien and Jesse and Jason had taken her to some witch meeting. I don't know. She was a yeah. It, <sighs> Which was a this was like deep. This was like at the tail end of the satanic panic. Exactly, so, and it's a huge part of why. These this boys case got the media attention that it got and why they were convicted and why why the whole country had hated them so much and you know yes but anyway so yes. this lady the police told her hey if you can make up a story and bring it to us as an informant we'll give you the reward money that's supposed to go to somebody with information. And so she made up this story. They told her to talk to Damien and get information. She didn't get any information, but she wanted that reward money. She was a single mother in West Memphis, poor, and she needed the reward money. So she made up this crazy story. 
and gave it to the police and got the reward money. But they actually, like, the day before Jesse and Miss Kelly was interviewed, they picked him up from this chick's house. And just the day before, she had said, oh, I don't feel safe around him. I don't want my son around him. But he stayed at her house that night. Don't really know. Weird as shit. But here we are. So on June 3rd, Jesse and Miss Kelly is taken into custody, not arrested, taken into custody for questioning. And from 9 a.m. to 2.45-ish p.m., he was questioned repeatedly for hours without it being recorded. Yeah. What happened from 9 a.m. to 2.45 Nobody knows because they didn't record anything. And I don't know, like, if you know common practices for. um, Probably a whole lot of a whole lot of feeding him the information they because they had already made the decision that this was their guy, whether, you know, whether the. Well, they knew whether any evidence fit him or not. Oh, yeah. They knew he had a low IQ. So it's probably probably them legitimately convincing him that he did it. Oh yeah. If they lit- they literally knew like that they kept telling him over and over, if you just tell us the truth, if you just tell us what we want to hear, we'll let you go home. We'll let you go home. We just need you to tell us what we want to hear. We need you to tell us the truth and then we'll let you go home. And they said that to him over and over and over again. And this kid has the mental capacity of a six-year-old. He's going to do whatever they want because he just wants to go home. He wants to go home. He wants to see his dad. He wants to see his girlfriend. He just wants to go home, you know? So he's going to do whatever they tell him. So this is a very coerced, very lead confession. Even in the recorded parts, it's extremely lead. And I'm not going to play any of it because it's just, it's awful. Like, I feel so bad listening to this kid confess. And like, we'll talk about some parts later on that were literally coerced where he would say one thing and they would say, do you mean this? Or point for him. Yeah. So very coerced, very led. Bad. I I do think the police did genuinely think that he was involved, but they were not going to use the right tactics to get him to confess it. They were going to make sure that confession. Lazy police work. Yes. So at nine a.m., Jesse Miss Kelly arrives at the. Um, West Memphis Police Department. And just so we all understand each other, I'm using pretty much the same sources that I used last time. This is Stephanie Harlow's timeline because I couldn't find a timeline. So I am borrowing this information from her, um, but she breaks down everything into pieces. So at 9 a.m., Jesse gets to the police station, right? Cool, fine. Between 9 a.m. and 10.45... We don't know anything that happens. Nothing. At 10 a.m., the pre-polygraph interview happens. And that's where they're like, they ask you the same question that they're going to ask you in the polygraph and the same question that they're going to ask you after the polygraph. And then at 11.15, they have to leave the police station. And Jesse goes with them and they have to go find his dad, because Jesse's still a minor at this time. I think he was 17. So they had to go find his dad so that his dad could give permission for his son to be questioned and polygraphed. 
Jesse's father gives permission. And at 1.30, there's a one-hour-long polygraph. And we never see the polygraph. And just to be completely clear, guys, polygraphs are not admissible in court because there's so many things that can be So just because he failed a polygraph or the police said that he failed a polygraph does not mean he's guilty. They're They're not admissible in court. They're a mere suggestion. Literally a suggestion. So at 1040 or 1240, the post-polygraph interview happens and they're like, listen, we know you're lying. The polygraph said you were lying. The, The polygraph said that everything that you just told them in the room was deceptive. And Jesse's like, I don't understand. I told them the truth. And they're like, this is science. So we know that you're lying. You don't have to tell us that you're lying. We already know that you're lying. So they Jesse's like, what science? (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, Craig. But so they kind of pester him and they treat him pretty poorly. Um, And then at 2.20, Jesse admits that he's present during the murders. And this is one of the problems. We don't know what was said. This part wasn't recorded. So we don't know if they, like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Chris Watts case. But the Chris Watts case is a case where a man named Chris Watts killed his pregnant wife and his two daughters. Horrible case. Awful case. But in that case, one of the interviewers, the polygraph tester comes in and she's like well did shenan do something did shenan do something and then you felt like you had to kill shenan because shenan had done this and it's thought by a lot of people that they maybe made this suggestion well you were lying so we know you were there but did you maybe not take part in anything were you maybe just there when the murders happened um yeah, and I think in the Chris Watts case, they were feeding into his ego. Exactly. And but they they were case. they were trying to see if they knew the truth, and they were trying to see if he would if if his ego would um, adapt to this to a different story, right? To a confession where he he turned into Shanann was uh, abusing the kids, and he did it because he. He had to rescue his kids and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like, this is a very separate situation this from is that. A this completely is completely different situation. Less ego and more. I just, I just brought that up to show that this is something that's commonly used. A police tactic. It's a, it's a police yeah. tactic. But yeah, you it's have a real to tactic. understand that there is a massive difference between talking to a man that's incredibly smart and in his 30s and using this tactic and talking to what is yeah. essentially a six-year-old. It per- works perfectly well with an egoti- egotistical piece of shit, but it doesn't work so well with a with a, a poor, dumb kid. Okay. <laughs> in in the nicest way police, possible. I think the police are aware that he's not exactly the brightest. Yeah, oh yeah. They are 100%. completely aware. Like, you listen to this kid talk, like... You, yeah, we if might you pause talk, in a little bit so aware. that I can play you a clip of him talking. But you listen to this kid talking; you can tell just from hearing him speak. He's not very bright. He's yeah. not bright at all. Like he's literally—he he reminds would me be of like easy. 
He'd be easy to convince that he murdered someone and didn't exactly. realize that he murdered someone. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's where we're talking about. So, finally, at 244, 245-ish, to 318, we have the first recorded interview. Um, and that first recorded interview is where they do a lot of suggesting to him. And they're like, what happened here? Did this happen? When did you go do this? There's a lot of leading in this first interview. Um, and then the second recorded interview happens about 30 minutes later, and there's just as much leading and just as much coercion and just as much suggestion. And they actually give out information that they shouldn't give out. Um, and then after that in the evening, at about 10.30, Jason Baldwin and Damian Eccles are both arrested as a result of... Jason's or uh, Jesse's confession. Now I do want to talk about one other tactic before we move on. The other tactic I want to talk about is something that I call the circle tactic. I don't know the technical name for it, but I call it the circle tactic. And what it is, is if let's say that you're on trial and I'm interviewing you and I say, I draw a circle on my paper and I put three X's in the circle in this case. And then like 70. And that's where Jamie sees it and says, well, that's clearly a square. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I put, I, let me draw the picture. Uh, do I have a pen out here? Do you have a pen? Uh, Hang on. I'm getting a pen. Cause I'm, I feel like it would be easier to show this tactic. Than I could it. zoom you a pen. I would, but. <laughs> If I can zoom you open. Thank you, honey. Not very helpful. So this tactic essentially looks like this. Circle with three X's in it. And then a bunch of other X's outside the circle. And they tell Jesse, who has the mind of a six-year-old, right? That the people inside the circle are the problem. The people inside the circle are the bad guys, right? So yeah. do you want to be inside the circle with the bad guys that are going to go to jail and get life in prison and get the death penalty? Or do you want to be outside the circle with the 50 other exes that are police? That's basically what the tactic is that they used against somebody with the mental capacity of a six-year-old. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the snitch on your friends I want to be in the circle. Snitch on these, <laughs> I want to be in the on these guys, and, well, of course. and you'll and you'll get you'll get your freedom. <laughs> exactly, and like you have to think, and this is all done by Gary Gitchell. This the first recorded interview is done by Gary Gitchell. We talked about him in the first episode. He's Sexiest name, <laughs> but he does this circle tactic, and he's like, "Do you want to be?" In the circle with the bad guys, or do you want to be outside the circle? And of course, Jesse's got like the mind of a six year old, and he's like, I don't want to get in trouble. I want to be outside the circle with the good guys, right? And Gary Gitchell's like, Then you need to tell us the truth and tell us exactly what happened. And that's when Jesse starts responding to the tactics that they're trying to use, and he starts. Mm -hmm doing what they want him to do and saying probably with information that had been spoon fed to him during that, uh, during that time that 
is unaccounted for. So when we actually talk about the trial, um, we talk about a guy named Warren D. Holmes, and he worked on the JFK and Martin Luther King murders, both of them. So very high profile dude, right? Yeah. Definitely has a background in, you know, forensic, whatever the fuck. And he said that he believes somebody like that's Jesse. That's the actual, that's, that's what the actual study is called, forensic, that's whatever the fuck. <laughs> Exhibit forensic, whatever the fuck. <laughs> but um, they, he says that somebody like Jesse would have done anything to go home at that time. He really didn't want to. Harken back to Brendan Dassey. I remembered his name now. Um, just wanting to get out of there to watch WrestleMania. (laughs) Yeah, literally. Um, let me play a clip real quick. This is that thing by Dr. Oshi that I was talking about. I have Dr. Oshi. I'm trying to find it because I did have it written down somewhere. There it is. Okay. So let me see if I can pull this up real quick. Um, It's in my notes. And basically he's talking about Jesse being misled or Jesse being led to a severe degree in this, um, in this confession. I have to put it up. Steven sing when there's silence. Yeah. I requested it. There's no dead space. Steven, please sing. (laughs) Okay. So. Because my tactic has been to basically, I can't go to the uh, timestamps, so I've basically just been commenting the timestamps that I need, so that I can pull them up with ease, quickly. So this little light of mine. Oh, you ready now? Yes. It is directly suggested to Jesse that the correct answer is this happened at night. Immediately upon that being suggested, Jesse is responds by accepting, and now he starts to use the word at night, where he had never used it before. That yeah. is an influence tactic. It is a way of getting someone to accept something out of pressure and out of suggestion. The press- okay. That was Dr. Oshi talking about it. That was a clip that I actually had to use from Stephanie's video because I tried to find it independently. And it's from the middle of the West Memphis three paradise lost documentary. It's difficult to find because the paradise lost documentary is over an hour long. If you guys have not seen it, I would highly recommend watching it if you're into this case. So I did play that directly from her video just because it was easier to find than going through and skimming the whole paradise lost online that you can't even find. Um, So we hear that said by Dr. Oshi. So we obviously know what Dr. Oshi thinks. He thinks that Jesse was completely led. And that was at Jesse's trial. And nobody paid attention to it. The jury, nobody. They didn't care that somebody had said that he had been led and coerced. They didn't care. They just wanted to convict him. Well, three sweet yeah. baby angel eight-year-olds died. So, you know. It, it was... And once again, the end of the satanic panic, they had been fed this, this, uh, information, Satanist horseshit. Yeah. It's, uh, a, a, 
the public is easy to sway uh, when when there's a public satanic panic. <laughs> Literally. In this small little Bible Belt town, they knew what they were doing. So no, absolutely. let's talk about a couple of just a few things that Jesse got wrong. Because Jesse got a lot of things wrong in his confession. But we're just going to talk about a couple of them. Um, so when Jesse is asked what the boys are tied up with, he says that they were tied up with rope, which is not true. The boys were tied up with Loose. shoelaces. Oh, they were tied up with licorice, right? <laughs> oh, um, he gets. Sorry. <laughs> he he gets the boys' names and pictures wrong. So at the start of all of this, they put the pictures in front of him, and they're like, "You need to name the boys and." point at their picture when you're talking about what happened to them and he was pointing at Stevie but talking about Chris Byers and pointing at Michael Moore but talking about Stevie he wasn't getting the names right and at some point they decided that they didn't want him to keep talking if he was going to sound like he didn't know what he was talking about oh why convenient because that, that you know they, they that might make him look innocent which he is yeah. <laughs> but so they didn't want him to keep talking if it sounded like it was wrong right we want to convict this guy so they told him, don't worry about the names. Just point to the picture. Point to yeah. the picture. <laughs> and tell us what happened. We really want to throw you in jail, young man. <laughs> yeah. um, we, he also gets we really don't want to have to do any more police work. We, we, wanna, we, we just want this sealed and shut. <laughs> um, Jesse also gets the timeline wrong. Um, you heard Dr. Oshi talk about it. He talks about how Jesse kept saying in the morning, the boys skipped school. We went at this time. We went early in the day. And at some point, one of the officers in the room when he was interviewed is like, you told me earlier that you did this at night. So tell me more about how you did this at night. And then all of a sudden, Jesse was saying at night. That's what Dr. Oshi was talking about when he said, you told me earlier that this happened at night. Jesse had never said in the recorded interview that anything happened at night, but they suggested that to him. Low IQ. He's going to start responding that way. He's easy to sway. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So he said, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had been convinced himself that he had actually done it. Well, he shit! I killed these kids. Damn it. Well, he, he says, he says that there's like an interview where he's like, I didn't even know that my lawyer was working for me. I thought he was just another cop and I was just telling my lawyer what they told me to tell Uh, the police. So he, yeah, because the the lawyer is probably frustrated and knows the deal, knows that he's been coerced, but he can't get, but. At some He's point, so in, ingrained in the lie. Well, his father he, tells him, "Son, you need to tell the truth. This guy is here to help you. You're innocent. I know you're innocent. I know you're not capable of doing this." Tell this poor this kid doesn't even what know happened. what the truth is anymore. And that's when he's like, I didn't do this. I have no idea why they're trying to pin this on me. But they told me that if I tell this story over and over and over again, I can go home. And. So he did what he thought he would get him home because he's a yeah. kid. So maybe I missed something somewhere, yes. but wh- what did the police, why did the police believe it was him? Because he, okay, so Jerry Driver had this satanic occult task force and him and his task force had come up with this list of eight names of people that might be involved in Satanism and the occult. 
Jesse, Jason, and Damien's names were all on it, and they were the only three that knew each other. And they knew that Jesse was... Dumb. Yeah. Low IQ, so they decided that they would focus on Jesse, and they really wanted Jason and Damien. They didn't want Jesse. They just knew that they could get Jesse to con- con- confess to whatever they said. And, and so Stephen, they- if you know if you know anything about what the Satanic Panic was, it was a largely manufactured. Like there was, I don't, I don't think any of the cases that were considered part of the satanic panic were actual real things that happened, well, and you but it was where that, people good. Sorry. It's you have to remember that like the satanic panic took place probably in the late eighties, mid to yeah, late. Yeah. This was at the tail end. And of it. Um, what sparked the satanic panic was everything that we talked about in the first episode, we talked about the Manson murders happening in the late sixties. Yep. We talked about, Anton LaVey wrote, writing the Satanic Bible. We talked about Aleister Crowley. It we was, it was all, it all largely um, came from Jerry Falwell. And... Like all of these things happened. So then people became terrified of the occult and the Satanic so, Panic and, and people fed off of that. It was the entire nation, but even more so the Bible Belt. They just thought, they just thought, you know, Satanism meant you're drinking babies' blood and you're. <laughs> Literally. So, you know, you're kill, so, killing little boys. So it was all wrapped so they in, literally up into that. just used Jesse. There's no reason that they have to think that Jesse did anything. There's no nothing tying so Jesse to no the crime scene. there's no evidence that he was there. Nope. That, uh, other than he was the creepy kid in town that everybody thought was going to be a murderer someday because he... No, 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 no. That's Damien. Because he dabbled Jesse, in... Oh, yeah. Jesse, okay, you're right. You're Jesse right. Was, Jesse was... <laughs> Friends with Jason, An associate. and he knew Damien through Jason. So they knew that they had a link to the guy that they really wanted, which was Damien, and they knew that Jesse was stupid. And they were like, let's take him in for questioning, and we can get him to they say whatever the probably, fuck we want him to say. They, they probably legit. I mean, they were legitimately after Damien pro- because they probably did think he was involved. So they were going to go after his dumbest associate <laughs> his his dumbest you know not even a direct associate when you want to go after two-face literally <laughs> it was awful sure. at some point and you remember when i said that there's literally a point where he is coerced and you can hear it i'm not going yeah. to go through and find the clip because like i said i don't want to put this kid being manipulated out there if you want it it's not difficult to find there is a point when jesse is asked where the boys were cut and he says, oh, this yeah. one was cut here, this one was cut here, and this one was cut on his bottom. When I say bottom, what do you think of? Well, the ass cheek. But. But. Now, the police officer then says, do you mean here? Do you know what a penis is? Was he cut on his penis? Is that where he was cut? Is that what you mean when you say bottom is that he was cut on his penis? And then Jesse immediately says, wait, wait, wait. yes, that's where he Were was they cut. cut on their penis? We talked about Chris Byers being One castrated. One of them was castrated, but I thought you said it was a snapping turtle. That it was. It was. But these it, guys are convinced that oh, he was it castrated. It was, but because of, yeah. Because, no, they didn't. Yet? No, this is. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Yep. Um, but if I said, to, if if a, somebody with the mental capacity of a six-year-old said, oh, he was cut on his bottom, I'm not going to be like, do you know what a penis is? Is that what you really mean? Was he cut here? He was cut on his penis, wasn't he? 
and was yeah. he cut in his they groin? Like, area? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he was, in, he was led. Like that is one of the key points to seeing that Jesse was very led and yeah. very. Sounds like really shitty police work. Awful and police work. I believe we talked about yep. this in another episode. We did. Fuck the police. <laughs> um, there's also one major thing that Jesse gets wrong for all of you anti-West Memphis threeers out there. Do you guys think that these kids are guilty? Jesse claimed that the three boys were raped. And there is no evidence. They're literally, the boys were not raped. Even when no. they did their autopsy and the original autopsy, which was complete bullshit, there was no evidence that the boys were raped. And Jesse said that the boys In were the- raped. Which and as you mentioned, the I think that the boys were killed after they got naked themselves, because the boys probably got naked to go swimming in the water. Eight year olds, yeah. eight year old boys that want to go swimming in a creek might take their clothes off and their underwear just might come off with them. And as you had mentioned, the the thing that people looked at as being the um, the most <laughs> sexual part of this murder was the. Snapping turtle was the, the the snapping turtle, which they had not been associated with a snapping turtle yet. It had been associated with a with a sex crime of passion, exactly. <laughs> and it, but it wasn't. It was a it was a snapping turtle. Great. So after all of this happens, not a very convincing case, if you ask me. Not a convincing case at all. But no. Jesse is found guilty on February fourth. So they got out quickly, right? Huh. They got out quickly, right? The jury, yeah. No, 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 no. The West Memphis Three. They got out quickly because it was not a convincing case. No, that, that, no, no. They that's spent what eight, happened. They spent eighteen years in prison. Oh, well. <laughs> See, God damn it! Damn it. <laughs> um, on February fourth, nineteen ninety-four, Jesse is found guilty. He gets one count of first degree, one and two counts of second degree. And that gets him life plus 40 years in prison. So, why now, kill that kid that I don't remember killing again? <laughs> so, now we're going to talk about Damien and Jason's trial. And this is where shit starts to get fucked. Wacky. Crazy. So, let's talk about the first thing that we have is an expert witness. Expert expert and i'm going to play you a clip of this expert witness talking about the occult um and let me tell you not fucking convincing not by a long goddamn shot is it convincing. not horribly expert <laughs> bad expert work bad um hello is it me you're looking for okay, okay hurry up I'm getting there. I have to. Uh, sorry, hate to tell you, but he's right. Are you looking for Stephen Craig? He's easy to find. <laughs> I wasn't hiding. <laughs> he's easy to find. If I if I step outside my house and look over in that direction, I might be able to see him over the horizon. (laughs) All right. I have this pulled up. I'm just going to um, click on that real quick to bring it back to the original point. Oh, sorry. 
literally thought that was Davy for a second. There. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Davy's not an occult expert. <laughs> no, he's not. Are you an occult expert? Totally, he's a chicken expert, except he doesn't use pickle juice. I have read the Necronomicon. No? Okay, this is at the beginning of Paradise Lost. In looking at young people involved in the occult, do you see any particular type of dress? I have personally observed people wearing uh, black fingernails, having their hair painted black, wearing black T-shirts. Awful. Sometimes they will tattoo themselves. Good Lord Almighty, no. Jesus. Make it stop. Make it stop. Black shirts, tattoos. That sounds like all all of my friends are in Christian rock bands. (laughs) They all wear. Hail Satan indeed. (laughs) All my friends are in Christian rock bands. All wear black black clothing and have tattoos. If you don't notice that, if you don't recognize that um, bit of speech, it's actually used in a song, uh, the intro to a song by Blackville Brides called Knives and Pens, specifically trying to bring it, like not bring attention to the case, but they were trying to make a point by using that. Yeah. Their style was super black hair, black nail polish, black t-shirts. They drew like stitches on their face, white face paint, screamo, kind of. At the time, they were screamo, very screamo, but now they're um, more of a metal type deal. But it was. I the believe they murdered dress. someone, didn't they? Uh, they no, they. <laughs> so they they were satanists that murdered people. Clearly, yeah. <laughs> the description that I'm hearing. Yeah, satanists. Um, this guy's name is Dale Griffiths, and let me tell you, he's basically a mail order PhD. Okay, because he had a PhD in in, a, in the occult, and that's what made him an expert. Mail order PhD. So that's what. Oh, okay. We're talking about a different PhD. Okay. <laughs> We're talking about a different PhD, Craig. Sorry to disappoint. I know you like pretty hot dicks, but that's not what this is. <laughs> move along. Move along. <laughs> um, and when he is asked, "What classes did you take to get your masters in the occult?" Uh, Satan one hundred and one. Uh, <laughs> Saint Nami. Well, That's well, listen, well, listen to a Black Sabbath album backwards. Virgin Sacrifice, version two. God damn! I not Black Sabbath. God no, not Black Sabbath. Oh, they're Satanists. <laughs> not Metallica. And Ozzy, Os- and Ozzy Osbourne. If you think of him, you think of the worst Satanist. Like, I love that the, I love that these guys focused, like the cops focused on a couple of teenagers that listen to Metallica. Like, just, yeah. They listen to Metallica. They wore black Metallica band t shirts. That made them Satanist. Like, okay, sure. If only they could flash forward 30 years <laughs> to see Metallica now. They're all like clean shaven <laughs> dads. Literally. <laughs> 
that happens to everybody though. Like that literally happened to, I don't know if you guys know like good Charlotte, but they like, when they came out, they were like teenagers or like really young adults and they all had mohawks and they all had like funny, they had eyeliner on and they all had like funny looking clothes. And like now they have like beards and like they're buff and like they have dad bods (laughs) and you're like, wow. Grow up. Son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, weird. <laughs> so weird. when he's asked, you look like, at you look at me uh, twenty years ago. I had spiky blue hair, <laughs> baggy <it>. UFO pants. <laughs> no, I'm just bad. <laughs> you wore Jenko jeans. Is that what that is? That I did. I did actually. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like UFOs and- oh damn he wore Janko jeans uh, everybody he's he's a murderer he's yeah. a child murderer <laughs> Hail Satan. Uh, I had a wallet chain um, I never so- got a tattoo because my mommy wouldn't let me <laughs> my mommy wouldn't let me <laughs> oh, mom I really want to support Satan <laughs> <laughs> so when this guy when David Griffiths or Dale Griffiths is asked, what classes did you take? You know, you're an expert in the occult. What classes did you take to get your master's degree? You have a PhD. It goes associates, bachelor's, master's, PhD. So what'd you do to get your master's? And he's like, well, I didn't take any classes. I I didn't take any. Okay. That's fine. I understand. Maybe you got your master's in something else. Your PhD is in, the occult and Satanism. So what classes did you take to get your PhD? And he's like, oh, I didn't take any. What school do you go to for that? A mail order school, Craig. A mail order <laughs> PhD school. I think for it's literally Satanism? called Columbia Pacific. Um, I don't even know if it still exists. And I don't know if it's still a mail order school. Now it might be a legitimate university, but it was like Columbia Pacific or something like that. That was like the school that this guy got his mail order PhD from. I got my PhD by playing uh, Dungeons and Dragons version three. <laughs> version three. <laughs> um. So then we have a guy so who's saying, "Shut that cat the fuck up." I would love. Can we just kick Gizmo? Let's let no. him outside for a little bit. No. <laughs> the last time we let Gizmo outside, he. Um, was gone for a week. Okay. Also, that was a joke about mm-hmm. kicking cats. I have two beautiful fur cat babies, mm-hmm. and I would never kick them. It was a joke, I have, but I have two beautiful cats, and I love all cats, but I really still want to kick Stevens right now. <laughs> um. So I don't even know if Gizmo's the one meowing. I mean, the I only other option is Pumpkin, him. and Pumpkin doesn't talk like that. Pumpkin's over. Oh, it is Pumpkin? Shut up, Pumpkin. I love you. Mommy loves you, but shut up. Mommy loves you, but shut up. Thank you. So Michael Carson... (laughs) Michael Carson is this random dude who's in jail for drug use. Of all things, drug use. And he was in jail with Jason for a short time. And he claims that Jason confessed to him. He told him everything. And... He told him how the kids were raped. He told them how the kids were like cut up. He told them how the kids Did you were know if this tied alleged up. confession is similar to the one that he told in court? It's, it's been retracted. In fact, the guy's okay. counselor was like, he 
I discussed the details of the case with him because he was just curious what was going on with the case. So I told him a little bit about the case. That's how he knew that the boys were allegedly cut. And that's how he knew that the boys were tied up. And that's how he knew this. And that's how he knew that. Because his counselor, like his counselor came out to the court and was like, listen, buddy, this is not real. He has been planning this for a while. He wants to get out of jail early. So you think it was more, it was more him just making up off the top of his head rather than him like questioning him himself to get I think to, that to he, see what he would say. I think that he talked to his counselor about the details of the case because that's what the counselor says is that they talked about the details of the case, right? Cool. Okay. So they talk about the details of the case and then Michael uses all of those details that he talked with his counselor about to claim that Jason confessed to him. And he has also come out and he's like, it was all made up and I know that Jason will never forgive me, but I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I just wanted to get out of jail because I wanted drugs. So, yeah. Bad guy. (laughs) So Damien's journal is another... Desperate guy. Desperate guy. Drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. (laughs) (laughs) So Damien's journal is another piece of evidence that is complete bullshit that's brought in to uh, the court case. And the two things that they have him read from his journal is a William Shakespeare quote from a Midsummer Night's Dream, something about life being, uh, I don't remember. It was like, life is a shadow. It's a tale told by an idiot, something like that. It's from a Midsummer Night's Dream. There's a clip of him. Box of chocolates? No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I could find that. Oh, another idiot. (laughs) That one. So we would have to wait for me to find it. Um, if you want to start it, singing, watch. <laughs> I was gonna sing Metallica, but that would probably get us some copyright. <laughs> like, do you want me to find the clip? I'll find the clip. I don't think they can get you on a copyright of something horribly rendered. <laughs> horribly rendered. I mean, it would be horribly rendered. It's coming I mean, from Stephen. Every band be would be Metallica. It would be Lars that comes after us. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah, you're right. I guess it would be the one. Yeah, it'd be the one band that's like, band I don't that care. actually would care. Like, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just, it's a mess. It's a mess. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts, diddly dee. There they are standing in the rain. <laughs> it's in a row. Why would you add rain into it? I don't know. <laughs> I only know this song from freaking Lion King. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Do you not know, like, any other songs from Lion King? Well, Why that song? Why that song? song you don't oh, even just, know. Just popped in my head. Zazu sings it. <laughs> Zazu is, like, the worst character in the Lion King. Zazu sounds like a random name I would think of when I am intentionally calling Kazaya by the wrong name. <laughs> He's like, hi, Kazuki, Zazu, whatever though. Kazazu? Kazazu. Zazu was played by Rowan Atkinson and he was great. Okay, shut up. Nobody cares. We're done. We're done with the Zazu talk. If we're really talking about good support characters, Iago was the best fucking support character. I want to hear it. Played by Gilbert Godfrey. Yeah. Have you ever heard Gilbert Godfrey's real voice? Yeah, it's exactly like. No, it's not. Yeah. No, it's not. There's literally like yeah, a, a voice. There's a is. recording of a voicemail that he left somebody, and he's talking in his normal voice, and it sounds like 
it's well, odd he, because it's a normal voice. Oh. He has two different voices where he, he's got his low, low voice. And then when he talks loud is when he gets the, I always hear him in interviews on different oh, yeah. podcasts I listen to. Um, let me see. I'm trying to, I'm just at this point. There it is. Gotcha. Perfect. There it is. This is also from Stephanie's video. Just easier to find than going through an hour long documentary. Life is but a walking shadow. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. That's from A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. Um, pure black, looking clear. My work is soon done here. Try getting back from me that which used to be. That is off a Metallica tape called Injustice for All. It talks about how warped the court systems are. Um, stuff like that. On so that's him talking about the quotes that were found in his journal that were evidence of him being a devil worshiper yes william shakespeare did y'all not know that william shakespeare was a devil worshiper no that's true yeah this is a time where anything remotely dark was considered yeah, the fact that you do a murder podcast, somebody would look at that as being too yeah. dark, and you'd be a saint. <laughs> well, like, yeah. let's be real for a second. A Midsummer's Night's Dream is a comedy. It's a funny play. Yeah. So why the fuck it's were a, they looking at that and being like, "That's so dark"? Like, no, it's a, it's a dark quote. It's a joke, my guy. It's just during a. It's during a. Literally. Well, we'll talk some more, but. I, I remember I was a kid during the, this time of the <laughs> Satanic Panic, and I do remember like anything that was remotely I, I, the church that I grew up in. I'd say if you played Dungeons and Dragons, you you know it was you were letting demons into you, and you know it's all it, a lot of that stuff is, is still around in a, in a lot of dumber people, <laughs> but it was it was pretty huge back then. Was, everybody was afraid of the hiding Satanist. We're hiding the Satanists in our basements. They're like the Jews. <laughs> wait, so wait. Are we, are we protecting them in the basement? Or like, is this throwing them in an oven? Is that what you're going No, for? no, we're protecting them in our basement. We're, we're the good guys here. We're the, the, the good guys. Okay. That was a joke, guys. I'm sorry. Please don't leave. Please don't leave. Uh, I love how you apologize. I'm sorry for telling a joke on this comedy podcast. I don't want anybody to get offended. And then they'd be like, you used hate speech against me, so I'm going to leave. I'm leading the charge to cancel Kazea. <laughs> He's going to start a position. Cancel Kazea. Okay. Hashtag cancel Kabuki. <laughs> Kazuki. <laughs> yeah. Like who? <laughs> so the prosecution did try to use a list of names that Damien had written in code. They were like, it, it had his name on it, Jason's name, his son's name, and Alistair Crowley's name. And for some reason, the fact that he wrote Alistair Crowley's name in this coded fucking alphabet was just my, he was guilty. You wrote Alistair Crowley's name. You're guilty. Mm-hmm. What? I'm sorry. What? It was just a he was just a dark kid. He was just he was a kid. You know? Literally. It's, like this is it, the same you know, kid. You, like they You could have looked at 
could have looked at me at that age and, 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 and with the same lens and and been like, oh, this kid, this kid is a potential murderer because I listened to uh, you know whatever I listened to back then, Literally. darker m- music, <laughs> probably the same <laughs> stuff that. Eccles was listening to literally Metallica, Pink Floyd, probably yeah. Black Sabbath. Like I've listened to all those like, bands. Are you like a Jewel. Okay, obviously. Wait, obviously. <laughs> Martin. So they try to use this list, and they're like, "You wrote Mambo Alistair Crowley's five. name. God, you wrote Alistair Crowley's name. You're guilty." And and people are like, "Yeah." He wrote Aleister Crowley's name. He's guilty. That's what that means, I think. Mm-hmm. Yep, obviously. <laughs> um, there also is rumors. I don't know how true it is, but there's rumors that Jason was offered a deal, like a shorter life sentence. I think his deal was 40 years in prison with the chance for parole in 15. Um, yeah. And all he had to do was testify against Damien. And he said, no, my mom raised me to tell the truth and I'm not going to lie and ruin my friend's life. He's, you know, he's Damien's best friend. He's like, I'm not going to lie and ruin my best friend's life. You got to have a little bit of naive, naive trust in the system to work the truth out. He's like, unfortunately, the system was working (laughs) against them. Literally. He's like, this is my best friend. I'm not going to testify against him to make sure that I can get out of jail. And, it, and really, go to jail, it we'll go to jail together to type situation. Eccles was the one they want. He was, Eccles was he the, was one the town want. pariah. He was the one that the, the town thought he was creepy. Which, he, like, if you look you at know. Damien now, Damien is extremely well-read. I love hearing Damien speak in, like, interviews and shit because he's just so yeah. intelligent. And the way that he speaks. He like, was a guy that... He was he was the kid that he was the pariah, and I think he kind of liked it. (laughs) It worked against him in this situation, but he was um, you know he He didn't want to be the popular kid. He and he never went to college. I think that's what shocks me the most is he's just extremely well read. He's incredibly intelligent. Like we'll have to play you play Stephen after this is all over. He had 18 years to do nothing but read. Exactly. Like he is smart as shit. This guy is crazy smart. And he was smart as shit two years after he went to jail when they did Paradise Lost 2 and they were interviewing him. He had spent all of that time like reading and doing research and he was smart as shit then. Like you would listen to him talk and he's like like I think he makes a comment once he's like, people have this twisted trust and authority. Like if authority tells you that this guy's a bad guy, you're going to go with what the authority says, because that's what authority oh, yeah. says. Like he's, he talks and he's smart he and, he's and he's intelligent. And it just like, I love listening to him talk. I love listening to his interviews, you know, looking at it at him. Now he is into Wicca and he is into alchemy and he is like, he got married with a Buddhist ceremony. Like he's not your traditional everyday spiritual person, after but that doesn't, yeah, after he got out, okay. he's not your traditional spirit. Well, technically he got married while he was still in prison, but everything else is happening after. Um, but he's not your typical spiritual person, but he, you know, he's definitely himself. And I don't think that any of those things I just mentioned, yeah. being interested in alchemy or being interested in Wicca or talking about 
light magic, not dark magic. He talks about light magic, which is the exact opposite of what Aleister Crowley talked about. Aleister Crowley talked about black magic, but he talks about light magic. And, you know, you... And even if even if he would even if he called himself a satanist and had a you know had a, had a pentagram on his head doesn't change a single thing about his worth yeah. just and, because and you're a satanist he, doesn't mean that you're automatically a child murderer or that you automatically exactly. kill somebody satanist exactly it just, ma- just makes you a weird kid right it makes you a <laughs> weird kid it makes, makes you a you satanist. weird kid doesn't make you, you know, a murderer like I know plenty of people that are Wicca, and to some people, Wicca is considered Satanism because it's technically witchcraft. And all of the people that I know that practice the Wicca, the they're geeks. weird as shit, and they're annoying as shit, but they're they're not murderers. The religion of the nerd. <laughs> it's okay. The only The only person that I dislike that I've known to practice Wicca stole my boyfriend. So, you know, there we are. Oh. I, I'm friends with a couple of Wiccans. Did she use yeah. she used black magic? No, to, no. To he broke up he broke up with me because of some issues with my family. And she like swooped in and like got with him and she was awful and annoying. And like you could hear her voice and it just like ugh. Like it literally would send me into like seizures if I heard it today. It's awful. It's like the most shrill, annoying voice I've ever she heard in my life. Went out to him, was like, do you like trees? <laughs> do you like trees? Do you like trees? <laughs> was that her pickup line? Was that the pickup line that Elena used? Do you like trees? Trees. <laughs> do you like trees? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what kind of pickup lines Wiccans would do. That seems like <laughs> I mean, it doesn't, the look on his face is telling me that's not the pickup line that she used. <laughs> I mean, the occult is fine, but I was just asking you. I was, I was asking, I was specifically asking you. I works with tarot cards and quite truly believes in the flow. Yeah, literally. I, I mean, he's not a murderer. No, I'm. I mean, specifically, like Elena. I'm not a murderer. I promise. <laughs> Elena like identified herself as a Wiccan back before you and I even broke up. I was just asking you if her pickup line was, "Do you like trees?" <laughs> She was an idiot. Love. Oh, you're talking about Davy. I thought you were talking about some other boyfriend. No, 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 no. She stole Davy from me. Like Davy and I broke up, and she had been flirting with Davy the whole time that Davy and I were dating, and then we broke up, and she jumped on him. Huh? Davy. Yeah, months. She she flirted with him for months while we were dating. It was awful. Davey, you, you were banging a chick that didn't shave her armpits. <laughs> Craig asked if you were banging a chick that didn't say, shave her armpits. I mean, I don't think... No, no, no. Davey never banged her. I don't think he did. I told him if he banged her, he might catch okay. something. So I told him to be very careful. I was like, if you ever leave me we for catch some this chick specifically, okay. don't have sex with her because she's had sex with like 15 other guys and we were only like 15 at the time like i was 14 but elena was a year older than me and she had fucked like five guys and i was like listen please don't have sex with her i don't want to see you get an std from this, this bitch really going off topic sorry yeah. sorry again <laughs> not my podcast but i feel like it's going off the rails <laughs> he's like we're gonna recenter. okay <laughs> so jason refuses this deal 
I was just bringing up that I know Wiccans, and that is what Damien's involved in, and he is not a child murderer. I don't know. If they ain't gonna Wiccan steal your kids. They're just gonna steal your. Bo- or they ain't gonna kill your kids. I love Wiccans. Like, don't get me wrong. I love Wiccans. Wiccans are cool as shit. Like, you guys have some really awesome boys. I just don't. dislike this one specific Wiccan that stole my boyfriend. All the rest of y'all are cool. I just don't like her. Um, <laughs> weird. So. On March 18th. They're weird and they smell like pajuli and they. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough, Craig. Stop attacking the Wiccans. Wiccans' lives matter, damn it. <laughs> um, Only black ones, though. <laughs> Are you done? Black, black magicians. <laughs> Are you done? Are you done? <laughs> I'm done. Okay. Go ahead. So on March 18th, 1994, Jason is sentenced to life in prison and Damien is sentenced to death. All the evidence that we talked about, such wonderful evidence, right? Put them in prison for life and Damien spent 18 years on death row. And I imagine that that can only be horrendous. Yeah. To spend 18 years of your life not knowing if you were the next one to go. Yep. Not knowing if you were the next one that was always thought it. I mean, sometimes it's worked out. Obviously, like in the case of Damien Eccles, I always thought it was weird that it takes so long to get to that point. Well, and he says, like, there's an interview that I'm going to play a clip from. It's not the clip that I'm going to play isn't from him. It's actually from Pam Hobbs (laughs) and then also from John Mark Byers. But in the clip, he's like, I watched people go to their death every single day. I watched guys leave their cells, take their last meal, and not come back. And I didn't know if I was going to be the next one. I didn't know if I was going to make it out. You know, he even says before, he said in a different interview that he knew if he didn't take that Alfred plea, he was never going to see the outside of the prison because they would kill him. Yeah. So crazy. I can't imagine what he went through with all of that. So the next thing we're going to talk about is some of the celebrities that supported them. We got Mm -hmm. some guys from Pearl Jam. We've got Johnny Depp. And do you remember how I said that Terry Hobbs sued a chick from the Dixie Chicks? I do remember this. Natalie Maines is her name. You mean, you mean the chick. Just the chicks, though. They dropped the Dixie. Yeah. So Natalie Maines from the Dipsy, ch- Dipsy, the Dipsy chicks from the Dipsy chicks. That, that would have been a good name. So the two people that I focused on were Johnny Depp and Natalie Maines from the Dipsy chicks because Johnny Depp saved, raised a lot of money for the West Memphis Street. And if you look at Johnny Depp, it makes a whole fuck ton of sense why. Johnny Depp was ten times weirder than Damien Eccles and wasn't in prison for murder. (laughs) He's a weird dude. He's weird as shit. I love Johnny Depp. Don't get me wrong. He's amazing. But he's weird as shit. Uh. So, at some point, Natalie Maines is like, yo! This guy is fucked, right? Like, we should let the West Memphis Three out because there's probably more info pointing to Terry because, like, 
I haven't talked about this yet, but there was a hair that was consistent with Terry Hobbs hair, not consistent with any of the boys from the West Memphis three, not Jason, Damien or Jesse, but it was consistent with Terry's hair. And it was found in one of the shoelaces that was tying the boys up. And actually a hair was found from one of Terry's friends in another one of the shoelaces that was tying up another boy. So there is literally more evidence pointing to Terry than there is the West Memphis Three. And Natalie Maines brings this up. I don't know if it was in an interview or in a concert. I'm not really sure, but she brings it up. And he's like, yo, I'm going to sue her. I'm going to sue Natalie Maines of the Dixie Chicks because that's what we do. That that sounds like a smart financial decision. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I honestly, like, he probably thought this, like, was his big break. Like, he figured he was going to win this case. They were going to have to pay him a whole lot of money, and he could live off of murdering his stepson for the rest of his life. Murdering stepson is a very lucrative business. Yes, siree. Um, And this is during the court case for that is the first time that he's technically able to be openly um, questioned in court about the disappearance of his stepson. Um, And... We also know that the original case took place in 1993. Terry Hobbs was not officially questioned until 2007. Wow. Are you kidding me? Uh, 2007? uh, What? Like, you guys didn't... And we'll talk about why he didn't get interviewed. They really wanted to have their guys. They really did. The guy specifically echoes more than the other two. Literally. So the guy, we've talked about how the wounds were actually made. They were not made by a knife. They were made by animals, right? Yeah. Right. So the guy that actually discovered this, his name is Vincent DeMeo. And I think he discovered it between 2001 and 2007. I don't know what year specifically. But his name is Vincent DeMeo. He's a forensic pathologist. And he is the one who discovered that um, the wounds were actually made by animals. Hey, um, hey guys. You guys are idiots. <laughs> yeah, guys are idiots. Let me pull up this picture. I actually have a picture for you of the wounds that a snapping turtle can make. And this is just a regular fucking snapping turtle. The snapping turtles that were in the creek that the boys were thrown in were alligator snapping turtles. So imagine what I'm about to show you, but worse. Okay. This is from a YouTube video where a guy gets bitten by a snapping turtle. Oh, why? Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> That is what his wound looks like. So if you imagine something like that, where there was no restriction of the, like, cause they had to pour a whole bunch of alcohol on the turtle's head to get him to let go of the guy. So if you imagine there was no interference with a snapping turtle biting onto Chris Byers, you know, it probably just, took yeah. it, it just took it off. You know what I'm saying? So no, yeah. Chris Byers was not castrated. It was eaten by a snapping turtle. Yeah, I hate to say that. I really do. It's awful. I don't. Oh, know it's awful. awful. But the whole thing is awful. Slightly it's less just, awful than the than other, a Satanist the cutting your dick off. Yeah. Like I. Yeah. Well, the first, the first <laughs> well, thing I can't believe the police didn't realize is the fact that only one of their victims was castrated, exactly. which is weird. That's, Another thing, can we be a hundred percent sure that the turtle was not a Satanist itself? <laughs> was the turtle a Satanist too? God. Okay. 
<laughs> Hail turtle Satan. <laughs> Sorry. I'm wheezing a lot over here today, guys. It's because normally I just have Steven and now there's two of them and Steven and Craig are very similar. You guys haven't seen enough of Craig to know, but no, we're not very similar in the way. There's, there's a, there's shit. like a 200 pound difference. <laughs> Oh, damn. Oh, damn. <laughs> that was rough, Craig. <laughs> I'm sorry, Stephen. That was rough for you. Yeah. Are you saying sorry to him? <laughs> you just compared me to him. <laughs> so David Burnett um, sounds really similar. <laughs> I didn't do it. I did it. I have sex with that woman. What I miss? The last name that sounds similar to is Barnett, which is why I was nervous about saying it in the presence of my boyfriend, whose last name is Barnett. Oh, yes. (laughs) So So what did Davy do? Burnett with a U. Burnett. (laughs) David Burnett. Um, he was the original judge that tried the case. He spent 18 years denying these boys appeals. 18 years. He yes. just sat like he was supposed to run for state senator and he put off running for state senator so he could continue to sit on this court case and deny Damian Eccles and Jason Baldwin's appeals. Someone should take a snapping turtle to his penis. <laughs> <laughs> Can I do it? <laughs> Get a satanic snapping turtle to go to town on them. If you can find a satanic snapping turtle, I'll let you I put it on. I feel like that actually is the most common religion of those <laughs> snapping turtles. Um, yeah. So he spent 18 years turning these guys' appeals down. And when he was asked to recuse himself, he, um, he, he refused and he said that he, this wouldn't have happened. He should have never let cameras in the courtroom or the, and this wouldn't have happened. So he knew that it was wrong, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. He's also an idiot. He said at some point, so when the prosecution... He gave in to the court of public opinion. Yes. Above all. So when, um, during the original case, court case, the um, prosecution, or not the prosecution, the defense, I think one of Damien's lawyers... Um, is trying to debunk the mail order PhD guy, right? Dale Griffiths, that's his name. He's trying to debunk this guy. And the judge says something along the lines of, you know, this, I don't like this because really you could have a third grade education and be an expert on something if you have other education that makes you an expert. And I was like, you can have a third grade what? A third grade, huh? <laughs> And be an expert at what? Like, I was confused. I was really lost. Look okay. At all those third grade experts down there. <laughs> so, like, My cat's an your cat's an expert in snuggles. That's about it. <laughs> she snuggles him. It's valuable. <laughs> it's valuable. So, in 2007, Warner Spitz, who was on the Joe Bonet Ramsey case, and Richard Souverin, who helped get Ted Bundy convicted, they are both brought out as experts by Damien's lawyers in the new evidence that they have and the new experts that they have. So these two are high-profile people. 
you know, anybody involved in the Joe Benet Ramsey case and anybody involved in the Ted Bundy case. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Definitely high profile people. These guys know what the yeah. fuck they're talking about, right? The, There's no DNA connecting the West Memphis. The big crime TV scene. cases of the century. Literally. Twice. <laughs> Twice. Um, and the knife that they claim was used wasn't even used. Let's talk about that knife for a second. I don't know if you guys have seen the picture, but was it turtle picture. face shaped? No. <laughs> so the knife, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the picture, but there's these divers holding a survival knife and their diving gear and like this lake and they're holding this knife. Right. And it's, it's, it's awful because the knife went into that lake a year prior to the murders even taking place. Wow. A whole year before. <laughs> and they know that. They knew that it was in the lake because Jason's mother told them. She was like, listen, my son's innocent. He doesn't even have a knife. The only knife that he ever had, I threw out in the lake because I didn't want my son playing with knives. So it's it, it, the only knife he's ever owned is out in that lake, right? Wow. And it's been out there for a year, so there's no way he could have used it to commit these murders, right? Right. Found that knife. They went out into the water. And used that knife on these children. And then yeah, they he went swimming the for it. And then put it back in there. And so they go and then into the water. a snapping turtle came out with it and be like, you're looking for this. <laughs> so these divers go into the water and they find, like, they were only in the water for like 15, 20 minutes. They weren't in the water very long at all. They called the press beforehand. They were like, yo, come to this spot, my guy. We got the shit right here. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. Meet us there, right? So the press come and they come out of the water after like 15, 20 minutes of being in the water with a knife and they hold it up like this and the press gets that picture and they're like, yes, guys, it's the shit. We got it. See what we got? (laughs) This kills, right? This kills, right? So, yeah, it was just a mess because like... They had no reason to think that the knife was used. It had been in the fucking water for a year. A year. I feel like this is another good time to bring up that fuck the police. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck the police. So, um, there's two other, there's three other suspects besides the West Memphis three. One of them is John Mark Byers. We've already talked about him. I don't think he did it. There's no reason. He had no motive. He loved his son very much. I also found out between recording this episode and the last episode that we recorded that John Mark Byers actually passed away earlier this year in like June, I think, 2020. And he died in a car crash. So rest in peace, buddy. Um, So he's actually died now. Um, Let me talk about... Um, what people think. People think that he he was focused on in Paradise Lost 2 and people think that he killed his wife but there is no evidence that he killed his wife. Yes, his wife died under suspicious circumstances but John Mark was very cooperative. He took a polygraph. He signed off so that his wife could have an autopsy done because I think he genuinely, genuinely wanted to know what happened to her. I honestly yeah. think she probably died of a broken heart because I don't know how long you can survive after you bury your well, baby. Uh, how did she die? Yeah, how did she die? She was apparently sleeping, and John Mark got out of bed to get some water, and he was like, honey, do you want anything? And she didn't respond. So he shook her, and he was like, hey, 
do you want anything to drink? And she didn't respond. And instead she started vomiting. So he runs and tells the police or he runs and tells his neighbor. He's like, look, can you please call an ambulance? I'm going to try to save my wife, but she's puking and I don't know what's wrong. And I don't want her to die. Right. His friend calls an ambulance and he starts trying to resuscitate his wife and trying to wake her up. And he turns her, I think he said, I think it's said that he turned her on her side. So she didn't choke on her own vomit, but I don't know for sure. Um, but there's no evidence so what, that killed her. What reason do they think that that, I mean, inconclusive. what trauma could have been done? Her the, autopsy came her, her, inconclusive. Okay. They have no idea how she died. It's weird. There's drugs. There was drugs in her system, but the drugs were uh, not enough. The drugs in her system were said to not be enough to kill her. But we don't know. She could have OD'd earlier in the day and was just now ex- experiencing the results of it. You know, you don't yeah. die immediately when you OD. I, I think drugs adds quite a bit of a wild card to the situation. Um, and also the most important part. John Mark has alibis for the night that the boys died. He was always with somebody. And in fact, he called and complained to the police, the sheriff's office the next day and was like, we have fucking three eight-year-old boys that are just missing. They're just gone. And you guys aren't helping us look. And that's what sparked the police to come out the next day and look into where the boys were. And that's when they found the boys deceased. Um, Terry Hobbs is our second suspect. Let me tell you what I think about. He's so work. Let me tell you what I think about Terry Hobbs, guys. He's an asshole. It's awful. You love him. I hate Terry Hobbs with a burning. I hate him almost as much as I hate fucking Regina Meeks. If that tells you anything, lazy ass cop. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> um. Terry Hobbs' first wife says that he was incredibly physically abusive to her, and that's why they divorced, because she was tired of getting the shit beat out of her, right? He also left West Memphis for a time two weeks after Stevie died. I don't know about you. You're not even married. Craig, you are married. So I'll ask both of you. If you're, God forbid, something happened to one of your children that you have with your ex-wife, are you going to leave town and leave her to deal with it on her own, Stephen? Well, of course. <sighs> Isn't that what sane people do? Good man. It's it's also like there's video evidence, and I thought about playing the clip, but I I can't listen to it. Every time I listen to it, it makes me cry. There's video evidence of Pam Hobbs finding out that her son is dead. No. And she falls to the ground, she collapses, and she starts shaking, and she starts screaming, and screaming, and screaming, and screaming, and screaming. And they pan over to Terry Hobbs, and Terry Hobbs is not holding his wife up, not trying to help. He's sitting on the fucking curb smoking a cigarette. Are you fucking kidding me? Current wife or ex-wife? That was his current wife at the time. Current wife, yeah. That was Stevie's mother that he he was married to at the time. It's their divorce now, but he literally like fucking sat on a curb and watched his wife break down, have a complete mental break at the news that her son was found dead. Should be evidence, evidence number one, before we start looking at the weird kid in town that could be a Satanist. Literally. I mean, why don't you tell me, Craig, if, why don't you tell me, Craig, if God forbid something happened to your child, would you sweet baby angel, your sweet baby angel, 
your beautiful sweet baby angel, if God forbid something happened to her, would you leave Sarah to deal with it by herself two weeks after this happened? I give her maybe three weeks. (laughs) (laughs) I give her three weeks. (laughs) No, No, of course not. (laughs) So literally like two weeks. That's why Terry was never interviewed. Because when the police came around to ask questions two weeks after the death, after giving the family time to mourn, he wasn't there. He was in somewhere 120 miles from Arkansas. "Ah, He's not here. He's probably innocent. Let's go. Question. Do you know if there was another woman he was getting with? Like maybe this was a. It's it's thought that he was cheating on Pam, but it's not proven. So I don't throw that in there because it's not proven that he was doing such a thing. Is it from the. Just from that. It's bitch. just hearsay. It it's just it's like a. I just, want a new. I want a fresh start. No, get this, kid out this of the is way. not a Chris Watts. This is not a Chris Watts. Okay, it's not a Chris Watts. What they? Think, yeah, you knew exactly what I was yeah. thinking, Chris Watts. That's not what this is. <laughs> <laughs> um, Terry also killed Pam's brother. No, pardon. Like so I, this is a thing that legit happened. This is yes. A, this is a thing that legit happened. So at okay. some point. Pam and Terry were having this crazy ass fight. This is information I got from Stephanie. I don't know where she got it, but I know that I got it from Stephanie and I trust her information. If you guys don't trust me, feel free to look it up. I couldn't find anything that corroborated it, but I know that she's read a lot of books on the subject. So she might have more information that I don't have at some point they're, they're into a fight, right? Pam and Terry get into this fight and Terry slaps the shit out of Pam and Pam's pissed, right? Because this is the first time that he's ever hit her. And so he, she calls her family and she's like, Terry hit me. So her brother, like a normal brother would do, comes over to her house to beat the shit out of the guy that smacked the fuck out of his little sister. Like, I'm sure that you would do the same thing. You have a little sister. Yes. So you would, like, if she called you and said, hey, my boyfriend just smacked the shit out of me, what are you doing? I'm going to call my friend who is much stronger than me to come beat his <laughs> yes so his brother comes over pam's brother comes over to beat the shit out of terry i assume right because that's the only logical explanation to well davy he should have brought a he should have brought a gun because this guy brought his fist to a gunfight terry shot him terry shot pam's brother in the stomach and when then Pam's brother survived. I'm assuming he got off on. Um... He survived. Oh, he survived. Pam's okay. Pam's brother survived, but he died later on due to a follow a complication with the follow up surgery, like that had to do with the gunshot wound. So technically, it couldn't be considered that Terry killed him because he had died from a complication with the surgery, but he killed him. Okay. Yeah, he was just never found. Was this before or after? Responsible the, after. After? After. Wow. This is one of the things that convinced Pam that the West Memphis 3 was innocent. Because I'm going to play two clips later. Um, Actually, I'll play them right now. One is where Pam is saying that she would like there to be another case um, because she doesn't think the West Memphis 3 did it. And the other one is of John Mark talking. So let me pull those up really quick. Get to your singing boy. I'll tell you what I want, what I really, really want. So tell me what you want. What you really, really want. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to, really, really, really want to zig-a-zig-ah. Zig-a-zig-ah. He's like the you want pig. My future? 
He's Forget like the, my past. He's like the pig off of Chicken Little. <laughs> if you want to get with me, you could have just put a period this. after he's like a pig. <laughs> you got five ladies. All right, you let me see if I. Okay, so the first one is at three twenty-four. Questions his possible involvement. I really think West Memphis was rushed to for conviction. They took three teenagers and convicted them. I would like for them to look at evidence that has been presented to the court the past couple of years versus the circumstantial evidence that convicted the three men that are in prison. Mark Byers agrees. His son, Christopher, is one of the victims. My faith in my heart and in my soul to every fiber that I have, that there's going to come justice (laughs) one day, and those three are going to walk out of the Arkansas Department of Corrections. So that is Pam Hobbs, Stevie's mother, and John Martin, Mm -hmm. Chris Byers' father, both saying that they basically support the West Memphis Three. They don't think they did it, right? That um, should mean something. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pam's family also believes that um, Terry was involved in killing the boys. And it is also said that he sexually abused his daughter, Amanda, Stevie's little sister. Um, mm. And she's fucked up to this day. Like, she's in counseling. Like, she's got issues, man. You know, she's trying to separate real memories with her brother from ones that her brain created because she was only four when he died. Right? Four or five. So she's trying to work through it, and then she also claims that her step or her father sexually assaulted her for a long time. Um, he is also the last one seen with the boys, and the last thing is sometime after Stevie's death, a knife was found. Um, I think it was in, found in Terry Hobbs, like a safe or something, or like a tackle box that he had. I really don't know the circumstances. It was found in something that he had by Pam, and. Pam, like, asked him about it. She was like, that's Stevie's knife. What the fuck? And the police asked him about it. And he was like, oh, I just didn't think that my son should have a knife. I didn't think that my son should play with knives. I didn't think that it was appropriate for an eight-year-old, right? But Pam says that she swears she saw him with the knife the day that he went missing and is thought to have died. I think we mentioned this in the first episode. Um, but she swears that she saw her son with that knife. And then she was super confused when he wasn't found with it, but she figured maybe the murderer stole it or maybe it had gotten lost in the river or maybe it had gotten lost in the woods somewhere, but then it turns up in Terry's safe. Like she definitely thinks her ex-husband had something to do with it. Um, (sighs) Terry has also never been considered a suspect not once ever to this day it's crazy he should have been suspect number one right from the right right off the bat literally the moment he also let's talk about this real quick he broke into his neighbor's apartment years before he was ever married like when he was a young man he broke into his neighbor's apartment and groped her while she was taking a bath he just broke in and she was taking a bath and he just started groping her and she's like what the fuck are you doing and she starts screaming and he runs out of the apartment and there's proof of this one there's a police report you can find about Terry Hobbs breaking into his neighbor's apartment and groping her 
disgusting. But let's go after the guys who like rock. Metallica, literally. <laughs> it's good. Have you guys seen the color of these kids' shirts? It's black. Ah, no. They're black. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That is not a funny joke. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. So. Thank you. <laughs> um, let's also talk about one more thing. Terry Hobbs never cleaned. This is coming from Pam's sister, right? Terry Hobbs never cleaned. He made. He was one of those old-timey guys that believed there was men's work and women's work, and he didn't do women's work, and he didn't clean, right? How come then on May 6th, the day that Stevie was found dead, he was cleaning and doing laundry and cleaning Stevie's bedroom with bleach and taking hmm. clothes out of the dresser drawers that were already cleaned to put them through the laundry? Well, because I've, I've got a theory on that. Uh-huh. He murdered children. Yes, he murdered children. No, oh, no, okay. No, no. It's definitely, I was just making sure we were on the same page. Like no, no, no. <laughs> Pam also believes that Terry was very jealous of the attention that she gave to her son, which is warped, completely fucked. Yeah. Um, it's like there's you also treat this child like he's a child. Oh God. There's also um, uh, somebody claims it's hearsay. I got this from Stephanie's video. I don't know what and for where she got it from. It could be hearsay. It could not be real. I don't know, but there is. A rumor that Terry told his mother that Pam doesn't give me as much attention as she gives Stevie. Like, it was a complaint that he made to his mother. Like, are you serious? Like, what kind of man says, you have a child and you're not giving him as much attention as he gives me? I'm jealous. Like, what? I could tell you, historically, the men I could give you as examples would be uh, men that have killed. Children. (laughs) Children. Yes. So Um, as you can see, Carrie didn't like Stevie, right? Mm. Didn't like Stevie. Um, It's also known, like it's common knowledge, that every alibi that Terry has ever given the police has been proven, like disproven by the people that he uses to corroborate. Like David Jacoby, he claimed that Regina Meeks was his alibi. He claimed that there was another guy that was his alibi, and all three of these people were like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. I didn't see him that yeah. night. I didn't talk to him that night. Or I went out in the woods and looked, but he was not fucking with me. Like, he went home. Like, every single person that he's used as an alibi has been like, no. <laughs> but they arrest the guys that are wearing black shirts. Yes. Yes, they did. At this time is when the boys decide to take an Alfred plea. It's brought up by Damien's defense team. They're like, listen, we could do another trial and, you know, you guys might come out on top. You might not. You know, if you guys want to avoid that and you want to avoid a lawsuit, we should just do an Alfred plea, right? Because we talked about what an Alfred plea is. An Alfred plea is when you plead guilty but maintain your innocence. So yeah, it's they get to walk the, um, the butler of Batman – Yes, is what it is named <laughs> after. Um, so they they got to walk free. Which um, let's talk about that for a second. If you guys really think these fuckers were guilty, why are you letting child murderers out of prison? Why? Pourquoi? Yeah. I don't understand. 
<laughs> so they take the Alfred plea, right? And the boys get to walk free. And if you do research, Damien is now living his life in New York, doing his Wiccan thing. He's got a YouTube channel. If you guys want to hit him up, it's Damien Eccles Dating on YouTube. Damien chicks that don't shave their armpits. Dating chicks that don't shave their armpits. Um, Jason is also married, and he is studying to be a lawyer in Portland. He is also looking into potentially clearing his name and getting exonerated, maybe just on his own, maybe without involving the other two. Um, because the the um, stipulation to them accepting the Alfred plea was that all three of them had to accept it. And Jason really didn't want to. He was like, I don't want to fucking lie anymore. Like, I didn't do this. Yeah. But at the same time, his best friend's life is on the line. His best friend's on death row. He's like, I don't want to fuck around with Jesse and Damien's life. I'll handle my shit on my own later on. I want them to get out. So I'll take the Alfred plea, right? Yeah. Fair enough. So he's out. He's gotten Plus, married. It's probably, he probably looks as this is the easiest approach to get out. Jason doesn't it's care. Another thing. Jason is one of those, like when you listen to him speak, he doesn't give he just wants the truth. shits yeah. about the easy way out. He doesn't want to be considered a guilty man. He wants to be able to get a job. He wants to be able to own a firearm. He wants to be able to do. Uh, he's going to law everybody- school. I mean, that tells you right away. Exactly. He doesn't care about how fast it is. He just wants the truth. He wants to be exonerated. He doesn't want to be a guilty man anymore because he knows he didn't do anything. So he's married and studying law. He's in Portland, I believe. And Jesse Miss Kelly, you know, the guy that started all of this. And nobody blames Jesse. And I don't think anybody should because it's not Jesse's fault that he was coerced. It's not Jesse's fault that the police manipulated him, you know. And lots of people are like, oh, well, he was just giving a witness statement and he incriminated himself. No, he didn't. He had the IQ of a six-year-old and was telling the police whatever they wanted to hear so he could go home. He had a girlfriend. He was like, I wanted to go home. And, you know, he said that he wanted to go home and screw his girlfriend, which, you know, he's 17. You know, does he have the mind of a six-year-old? Yeah, but he's 17. He's He's still got the dick of a 17-year-old. Exactly. So he was like, I wanted to go home and screw my girlfriend, so I told him whatever they wanted to hear. Fair enough. (laughs) But Jesse stays out of the limelight. He really doesn't like talking to the press. He doesn't like giving interviews. He doesn't like talking to anybody. You can catch him. Like, they have panel talks sometimes, three of them, where they all go and sit and answer questions. And Jesse will be seen in those. But other than that, he doesn't really like to be in the limelight at all. Um, he does still live in West Memphis, though. He lives with his father, if I'm not wrong, because, um, I think he needs the extra help to be completely honest. So he lives with his father and, um, he stayed in West Memphis. Um, I think we've made our theories pretty clear. Do you think we need a theories section? Uh, I mean, Terry, dude, (laughs) they did it. I think it was the snapping turtle. Terry, <laughs> Terry and that turtle teamed up yeah. together. Terry and the turtle. They, it was the Satanist turtle that did it. Honest Terry, to God, Terry I really think Satanist that Terry turtle. did it. I think that Terry killed yeah. Stevie in a fit of rage. I think that Terry got pissed off because he wasn't home when he was supposed to be home. And I'm assuming with the other two boys just, just simply because it. they were there. Exactly. So yeah. he, he beat the shit out of his son, and I think he beat the shit out of his son or his stepson so bad that Stevie died or was unresponsive. And so he thought that Stevie had died. And so he 
stripped all, he either stripped all their clothes off or found them when they were naked swimming in the river. So let's assume that they weren't naked. He strips all their clothes off, takes the laces Either out way, of their it shoes, could, it could and ties them it. up. And ties them up and throws them in the water to make it look like some kind of gruesome murder when it really wasn't. Yeah. I think Probably that all of the tying it look up like and, it could have been sexual. Exactly. You know, you know, try to make it look like a pervert or a Satanist did it. Literally. Because, like, the only kid that died before he was put into the water was Chris. And Chris was the smallest of the boys. So it's not crazy to believe that, you know, the same level of beating that he put Stevie and Michael through killed Chris because Chris was the smallest out of all of them. Yeah. He was a little boy. And so, you know, he beats the shit out of these three boys. Chris dies. The other two are unconscious. He throws them in the water thinking that they're dead. They drown. And then they're found dead the next day because yeah, it's there's definitely, also, definitely the most reasonable wait. theory to me. There's also a rumor, just so everybody knows, I can't remember where I heard it, but there's a rumor that Terry Hobbs supposedly found the bodies before the police did, but he didn't say anything because he didn't want to be considered a suspect. So he found the bodies of his dead stepson and two other boys and just... I don't want to be considered a suspect, so I'm just not going to say anything. You know? How in the fuck well, did the police did not? Uh, <laughs> he definitely knew where they were. Literally. Who was the first? I think she's more speaking on the books that he found them first, you know? Because on the books, the guy didn't do a single thing. If you guys would like to get more information, you guys can watch the Stephanie Harlow videos that I kind of use to supplement my own research. You guys can watch all three of the Paradise Lost documentaries. They are on Amazon Video. I think they're two ninety nine dollars a piece to rent for two days, and that's definitely enough time to get through them. Um, in fact, also Steven on HBO, I, aren't they? Yeah, they're also on aren't HBO. They? Yeah, and I think that Stephen and I are actually going to watch them because he hasn't seen them because he didn't want to watch anything getting into the case. No, I, I go in blind for these. So, um, look into Stephanie Harlow's video about the West Memphis Three. Um, she also has some other cool videos if you guys are looking into some stuff that maybe we haven't covered and maybe some cases that we won't cover. Um, she has a lot of serial killer series and stuff like that. And she does really good information. Um, she gives really good information. So if you guys want to look into her, please do. Um, her literal, her name is Stephanie Harlow on YouTube. Um, you guys can find the Paradise Lost documentaries. And then you guys can also find copies of Jesse Miss Kelly's confession online. I don't have any links for them, unfortunately, because they're so scattered. Um, go in with an open mind though, because a lot of the videos of Jesse Miss Kelly's confession that are out there are highly biased that he's guilty. So go in with an open mind. Remember everything that we've talked about. Um, there's also Damien's books. I believe he has two of them. The one of them that I actually know the name of is called life after death. There's also West of Memphis, which is another movie based off of the case. And there's a movie with Reese Witherspoon called Devil's Knot. If you guys don't like the documentary and you guys would like a more theatric version of child murder and um, an unfair case, watch the one with Reese Witherspoon, you know? I've never, I've never heard of that. Um, I really want to watch it. Is it, it an actually old, older looks, movie? It, or? it looks like it focuses on Pam Hobbs a lot and Steve. Wow. And it would actually, I've always wanted to watch it. I just can't find it. It would be interesting anywhere. to see from that um, perspective. So there you go, guys. I've given you all the information and all the resources that I I used, I guess. The only resources that I can't give you are the 
um, clips that I used because they were from Paradise Lost and they were from um, interviews from other t- from TV stations. So if you guys want those, you guys will have yeah. to go find those. I'm sorry. Um, do you have anything you want to plug, Stephen or Craig? We'll allow Craig to plug Let's too. Do Craig first. Craig, do you uh, plug. You can follow my podcast at PW Apologist on the Twitter. And you can follow my me at Craig Radkins on the Twitter. <laughs> on the Twitter. All right. And you can follow me at Dragon Blazer Productions on Facebook, Instagram, and my YouTube page. You can also follow me on Twitter at Dragon Blazer Pro. And if you guys would like to keep up with Unsolved Comedy, you can follow us on Instagram at unsolved underscore comedies. You can also find us in a few of the Unsolved Mysteries groups on Facebook if you guys are looking to connect with like-minded people. And you can find us on the Dragon Blazer Pro Instagram page. Um, he updates it with all of his podcasts, but... Yeah, some better than also others. <laughs> um, thank you so much, guys, for listening. We really appreciate yeah, it. thank you. If you guys have any suggestions... It was suggestions, a lot of fun. I mean, oh, yeah. horrible, horrible <laughs> topic, but a lot of fun. If you guys and have any suggestions it. about unsolved cases, please let us know at unsolvedcomedy at gmail.com or at the unsolved underscore comedies Instagram page. We are totally looking for more unsolved cases to cover. Yeah. All right. And don't be a Satanist turtle. Don't be a Satanist turtle on our next episode of Unsolved I mean, Comedies, please. Not bash all Satanist turtles. <laughs> not all, all exciting murderers. <laughs> well, if they're Satanist turtles, they're murderers. <laughs> if they wear, if they paint their turtle toenails black. <laughs> they paint their turtle toenails black. And paint their turtle shells black and wear black turtle shell cozies i don't know (laughs) (laughs) all right i think we beat this down all right bye everybody bye guys (laughs) bye Hey everyone, I'm Steven from many different podcasts like Drunk Like Me, Pro Wrestling Apologist, The Rage and Blaze Show, and of course, That Got Dark. So, please like and subscribe 